and nonchalance, taking culture apart one episode at a time. The social commentary podcast on pop culture, fashion, film, and music. What are you doing? I'm taking a second to imagine one particular person on the other end of this podcast that I'm reaching through and trying to speak to this person directly. You think it'll work? I don't know. You can make it happen, <laughs> I guess, if you imagine. We just saw, um, what was it called? Won't You Be My Neighbor? The... Mr. Rogers movie, and I liked that part when he was talking about that, because sometimes when we're doing this podcast, it's kind of challenging to think of the audience who might be listening on the other side. Do you agree or not really? Honestly, I don't think of anybody. That's probably bad. I don't think you don't of think anybody of anybody listening. at all. Oh. No, I'm Sure, somebody maybe does, but I really, I don't think of anybody listening. I'm just focusing on talking about what we're going to talk about and being as natural as possible. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I try to be natural too, but part of that is the realization that this is going like It doesn't online. compute. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. So it's Valentine's Day weekend. Um Hopefully, is it? No, we're still during the week, right? Isn't today Friday? Yeah, yeah, so that makes Valentine's Day, I guess. Yeah, technically, then it is. No, once it's over, you cancel it and you run far, far, far away from it. I don't agree. I think that (laughs) (laughs) I think that it could be built into and should be preserved as much as possible, not as maybe as much as possible, but you know. It doesn't have to be run from as soon as it's done. I don't know. Somebody got brainwashed by Mr. Rogers. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, I can I can relate to that desire to monitor how you respond to the onslaught of feelings that you just go through all the time. And, and I mean, it makes him very, like, contemplative, I guess. Makes him very calm. But at the same time, it's like to be the celebrity that he was, he was very down to earth. Or at least that's the impression that you get from this movie. But I tend to believe that take on it because you just hear the same description of him from one person to the next, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I like the movie. I don't know anything about Mr. Rogers. I've never really seen a show. or I just know he wears a red sweater as far as... Mr. Rogers has gone, and I think I only heard about Mr. Rogers so, wait. maybe when I was 18 or 19, and not in a very deep way. Right. When did his show, I don't even know when his show stopped airing, um, but there were clips of him on Arsenio Hall, which, I mean... I'm not sure what that is. Oh, that was Is that like a talk show? That was the talk show where he was trying on the leather jacket. Oh, and okay. you know, that was like a good example of how he just kind of transcended boundaries. And but yeah, I don't know when this when the show stopped airing. I mean 
I mean, Tom Hanks did a really good job, but th- at the beginning of the movie, I was just getting anxiety. Oh, you just because why he was talking so calmly and so slow, and it was just doing the show and yeah. Part of it, part of me is like that reporter where it's like, okay, where's the where's the real person? Because that's the character, right? Right. And I mean, I know that part of it was like, let's recreate the show or whatever the atmosphere was like. And right. I mean, it was, he was talking, it was like he was talking to children the way he was talking. And I'm not a child. So anymore, you felt like it was so patronizing? Was like, no, not patronizing, but it was just, it was too calm and too really uncomfortable. I, I just wanted him to get into. Like, you know, whenever he showed the picture of him beat up, I was like, oh, okay. And then for for a right. few minutes, we saw some backstory there. And then it went back to him talking really calmly and just, uh, it, it got out of that. And it, it got, like, better. Right. As far as that uncomfortable feeling was. Yeah. It was just at the beginning... Uh, it was just like putting a feather on a scale and very calmly, just single <laughs> file, yeah. everybody breathe, count yeah. your breaths. Just all of that was really gentle. And I'm, I'm not. It's not today. It's not the experience of life like as we know it. It doesn't not, seem yeah, like I mean, it. No. And maybe some of it should be, but it, it was just, it's kind of like, okay, you snap out of it. Like, right. Right. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I was watching it and I was thinking about how much of the general feeling about Tom Hanks gets built into this performance because Tom Hanks almost has that same kind of pop culture personality. He's not as calm. He's not a minister or anything like that, but people tend to love him. He tends to be... He comes across as very easygoing, mildly humorous, like probably the least offensive actor that you ever see sitting on like the Graham Norton show or anything like that. I mean, it's just, he's almost like a modern day Mr. Rogers. But Tom Hanks has kind of like eclipsed Mr. Rogers in terms of like celebrity and regard and like longevity. I mean, people probably feel more that way towards Tom Hanks today than they do about Mr. Rogers. Well, yeah, I mean, it's such a different target. The target that Mr. Rogers was going for and the level of fame and what he thought of fame, as far as I know from the movie, it just was not what Hollywood star Tom Hanks ever did and or went out after. So, yeah, I mean... He is like the modern day Mr. Rogers, but There's, not in the same way that Mr. Rogers was just talking to children and explaining difficult things in a very calm right. way. It's, yeah, I mean, no, definitely like what they did in front of the camera is very different. But for me, there was no separating Tom Hanks out of that portrayal of Mr. Rogers. There, in fact, there's that scene in the, the diner or the Chinese food place when Mr. Rogers, Tom Hanks, is saying 
for a moment, just consider all the people who loved you into being. And then he looks directly in the camera. And the camera just keeps going for a good minute. Everything in the restaurant stops. We're sitting in the theater and we're all watching Tom Hanks well, he was play. Watching us. That was yeah. Creepy. And he was like, here, I mean, this is for you, the audience. Think for a minute, for a whole minute, about the people who have loved you into being. And I mean, I did. I thought about it. But, you know, I tend to think about those kinds of things a lot. But I didn't. I was you creeped didn't. out. You have no soul. <laughs> I'm the one who's supposed to have no soul, but you have, like, no soul. No. So what would you? What do you make of the movie? Do you think it deserves the, the, the praise that it's gotten? It makes me want to find out more. It makes me want to read the article and how much they got right, wrong, how much right. of it is real. I want to find out about this writer, and I want to watch Won't You Be My Neighbor, the documentary with the real guy, and just some of that. Right. It makes me want to find out more, basically. Yeah, he was uh, we, really... talked, we talked about a bit about new journalism and the journalists inserting themselves into the writing and how the magazine is known for, that particular magazine is known for advancing that kind of journalism so i bet you i mean if the movie messed that up at all it's not because they didn't get a sense of the journalist and the journalist story and how he intermingled with um mr rogers so yeah it'd be interesting to go back and read it and compare it's weird that you have this idea of what esquire is right and i've never had that idea because i've never read an esquire I, I mean, Anything? honestly, I don't know how how many people actually but, think of, like, new journalism in Esquire. No, I mean, the only thing Esquire that I've ever thought of are the editorials, and it's a man's magazine. And right. Just that kind of, like, a more, um, a, a nicer Maxim, <laughs> a grown-up Maxim magazine, basically, and... A more like a more polished aesthetic, well, almost yeah, like so a GQ, where they, but... Where did that message kind of, like, not... Stop coming! Stop coming through because you had an idea of this is what the journalists for that magazine do. Right? Or was it? Did you have that, or was it just like, oh, well, the movie showed that, so it must be true? Well, no. I mean, I just had a general general knowledge. I'm not an expert in that at all. I don't know much about it at all. I just know some of the terminology and how what it means, and then I knew that Esquire was. There might be tons of publications out there. I just knew that Esquire was one of them. That. So, yeah, so I, I mean, I kind of knew when I saw the, the title of the magazine that it, it makes sense that he writes this 10,000 word article by the end, but it's more about him than necessarily the some removed object, objective take on like Mr. Rogers. He inserts himself into it. So, I mean, as long as the story is interesting, I guess. As long as yeah. it reads well on paper. I liked the movie. I really like... I want to see what I can find as far as the soundtrack goes. I mean, we literally just walked home from seeing it, so I haven't had a chance. But I loved how they reconstructed the sets. And that's one of the things that I distinctly remember about the Mr. Rogers um, show. I didn't watch it for very long. I certainly didn't watch it up until like the end when it went off the air. But I really liked how they reconstructed the sets and then expanded it into like a city in New York. And you even see like some of the darker scenes playing out in this like 
model set. So anyway, yeah, it was interesting. What else have you been watching? Um, we've been watching BoJack. We're just in season five right now. Yeah, the last season has come out that we haven't. We just it's been that show where we we kind of left it for a bit because we don't want it to end. We relish it. And we just make it last. We might leave that last season for a while because it is the last. Yeah. And the show, I mean, finishing up season five, every episode has been really crazy good. I really like how they experiment with the format and like what they do with the story of what they, they tell through each episode. People I mean, are missing out. If they're not watching Bojack. Yeah, I mean, Bojack is like, it's really good. It's not, I mean, it's a cartoon, but it's definitely not fam- family friendly. You're not going to want to sit around and watch this with your kids or with your parents well, or whatever. Maybe you but... should. <laughs> I mean, it explores some tough stuff, but it's kind of like Avatar The Last Airbender. They explore some tough stuff, but it's, it's a show that's actually a really good storyteller. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends. Uh, you know the family and the well, relationship. Yeah, of course. If you're comfortable sitting around with your mom and the main cartoon horse is like swallowing bottles of pills and hallucinating his way through like his messed up life as you know wrecking his professional. You're his, gonna encounter it somewhere. You might as well encounter it on the TV. Yeah. No. I mean, it, I think they did a really good job. <laughs> and again, I get, it just depends on the relationship you have with your family, and you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So it's, a it's good. good. Show. We started and watching um what's it called? Next Fashion. Next in Fashion. Next in with Fashion. Tan France and Alexa Chung. Yes. And I didn't think I was going to like it very much, but I kind of missed um the reality competition kick. Like in the middle of the day. It's kind of brainless. And well and then but it ended up being better than I thought. What do you think? We haven't finished it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's very, it's very like Project Runway, except it has a few changes here and there. I think the and designers might be better than what you well, see in Project Runway. Yeah, they get more money at the end, and the designers are more established somewhat. They have better backgrounds than just I just graduated and I'm trying things. Right. And I mean, Project Runway, the current season has turned into whatever I'm out because Heidi and. Tim are out and they're starting their own fashion this this arena show and I, right. I think maybe theirs will be better. It's gonna be an Amazon, but I mean it's it's fine. I I am like watching and I like having something that's brainless. I mean it is it is pretty brainless. We're not talking <laughs> about like heavy stuff. <laughs> that's but at the same time, um, it does. They're always racing against the clock. They're always trying to get too much done. And I just feel like that all the time now with it's my project. It's anxiety-inducing <laughs> sometimes. And it's, a little, it's nice to see other I people mean, it, going through that. Part of it is that. like, come on, it's editing. Because, I mean, I know... I don't like that they have so little time to do so much. Right. And I know that they don't pay attention to all the small things. Because if they did, then they would rip them a new one. And the designers... It's just... A day and a half is not enough time to make anything. And, I mean, they, they, they're really testing these people. This is definitely not easy. So, wait, are you saying that, that what we're seeing is not really what's happening? No, I mean, I'm, I'm sure. But the way they edit the, the last rush right. 
five minutes to the runway, three minutes, and somebody doesn't have a pan leg or whatever. Like, right. I think that the dramatization of it is edited in that way so that you can really get into the rush of things because I don't know. Do you I, think that's. I'm a- very untrustful of how things are edited to make me feel things now. Right. No, I mean, that makes sense. Do you think that rush and the rush against the clock? And the anxiety that comes from that is a common feeling today? Well, yeah, everybody has it every day and everything that they do. It just depends on what you decide to have that rush in. Is it going to be on, you know, somebody paying you to have a job that you hate, but it has that rush? Or are you going to get something fulfilling out of that rush that you're going to enjoy doing, but... Maybe it's not going to pay as much. I don't know. But everybody's always on that rush. I was just wondering about that as we were watching the show today. I was like, how many people are actually fighting against the clock like that to that extent? I shouldn't say everybody. (laughs) There are some lazy people in the world that don't do anything. But I guess if, if you just look at the thing that they have in front of them through that rush lens, it it's all dependent on the person and yeah how they see what their rush is and if they feel the same way that's they can't be discounted i guess i'm definitely definitely feeling that in regard to my project it's always a rush with your project with it's not a rush though it's just it's always on it's always but there's not go, always go, the go. sense of the anxiety, like, okay, the deadline's coming up, and this needs to come together, or that needs to come together, and... But nobody, that's the thing, nobody puts that on you except yourself, and yeah, I know you're supposed to, and I wish I was like that, and more, probably a lot more people wish they were like that, but it's also not good. But in the meantime, I've been sitting and writing, and writing, and writing, and pulling together what's essentially a year's worth of notes. <laughs> so, yeah. One of the things, though, that we've been able to do twice now, or is it three times? As it's three times. Three times we've been to Madame X. It's starting to blur. One time we had... Yeah, the... We went to the first night, what ended up being the first night after she canceled and so we, Madonna. we scrambled. We haven't said Madonna. Madame X, I just said Madame X. No, I know, but if somebody's listening and they don't know what Madame X is... Okay, I guess that's I true. I guess it's going to be on the episode title, so whatever, Rick, shut up. No, I... The, yeah, I'm, I'm talking to the person in my mind on the other end of the podcast who at least knows what Madame X is. But okay. okay. But your person in your mind may not know. So it's good that you're considering them too. Thank you for that consideration. <laughs> Whatever, Mr. Rogers. Hey, my therapist did that too. But she wasn't as like subdued as Mr. Rogers. You exist. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. So I know I know. There you was exist. once this celebrity, she was a pop star. Her name was Madonna, and she had a very controversial rise to fame. Yeah, and to one day she came to London Jesus. and she set up a show within about five minutes walk she's from our house. No, <laughs> no, and it proved too tempting to just go more than once or we twice. We only had tickets for two nights. Yeah, 
she canceled one of the nights. And so that same day, we got tickets for the next night, which was the, the first night. So we saw, we saw the full show that first night. Yeah. She performed the full show. Right. That first night. Because she's injured. And I, so she has I, to I really back. wanted to make sure that we saw that first show because she had had a, a small break before the last city. And I knew, okay, it, w- it was kind of like touch and go for a bit, whether she was going to show up or not. But she did say, I'm going to show for that night. So we tried really hard to get tickets for that first night. And we did. And she performed the full show. She didn't right. cut any songs. Right. And what did you... And so then we saw two two others with from the box, the royal box. Yeah, the royal box, which was an amazing experience. The first time, so we had to go back and do it again, and spoiled, spoiled, bad. But it's such a good view, and you have your own box, no people behind you, because that one of the things we did not like, or I at least I didn't like from seeing it from the royal. Uh, the royal section, not not the not the box, but no. up there in the balconies. The royal circle, yeah. Right. Um, I did not like having rows in front of me where people were just getting up. We're used talking. to seeing Madonna from the front row. Yeah, I mean, if, from I, the ver- if we ever go to a Madonna show, front row, and it's. I a mean, stadium. we've held her hand. We've sang into a microphone. And, I mean, we just had a lot of interactions yeah, with Madonna. Like that, you don't have to worry about anybody that's behind you. Like, whatever. Do whatever so that's how want. we're used to seeing it. And seeing the so, show from up there on the balcony for this first time, we were like, okay, this is different for us, but at least we're getting to see it on this night. Yeah, because, I mean, it is it is a, the London Palladium. It's a very small theater. She's never done venues like this. So really, most any seat in the house is going to be a good It was seat. not a bad seat. It was just... Okay, we should start from the top, though, because that was just, as we sat down, we were like, okay, this is different. We're a little further back from the stage than we're used to, but at least we get to see it, right? Yeah. And so, because it's London, she pretty much starts on time. Um, but we don't, have, we don't have our phones or our watches, so we don't really know what time she's starting. But it didn't feel like we were waiting forever. The opening act, the, the um, jazz band was really good. I loved this one of my most favorite Madonna opening acts of all time. Um, it's Portuguese jazz and like a Portuguese jazz band, right? Yeah, Fado. Because, Fado. Uh, yeah, because the Fado uh, singer that she features later on in the show, he's, he's there. He's yeah. there. He's performing. He doesn't really sing though, does he? He's playing an instrument. He's playing the the little guitar. I don't know the name of it. Right. <laughs> but that's the duet uh, Dino Di Santiago. Dino Di Santiago. Yeah. Yeah. And he makes he shows up later in the concert. In fact, all of the people from this opening yeah, band are in the show. And they're just a really talented group. And I loved being in the theater. It's a very theater way to, you know... Yeah, they just come out down the aisle and they sit at the edge of the stage and they just start playing. (laughs) And it's so non-stress. We just walked through the show. There's no cues. We walked in, got some merchandise, but even Even that that was was well organized. Our phones were put away, so no stress on taking any photos of anything. Just, you know, enjoy the show and enjoy the band that's playing before the show so it's really stress-free calm perfect yeah 
it's yeah so far i mean in terms of the pre-show stuff and what you have to do to get into the venue this was just so easy and i wouldn't mind if she did this type of theater show just from now on i mean it was just i am really spoiled between that part of it um the intimacy of the theater the box seating that we got it's just that's how i want to see madonna like from now on if she's listening to me and she's taking my advice, right, if my preferences matter at all, probably then... gonna do it from a floating stage next. Then you have to look up, <laughs> and see the show that way. Oh, so. kind of like reinvention tour. Yeah, I don't. I never saw that one. Oh, okay. But so the show starts. I mean, you hear Madonna first of all come over the loudspeaker saying, "No phones. I appreciate this. We want you to be. I want you to be present." And it was like, okay, so Madonna's playing like the Usher role or whatever. It's like, but that's, that was different for a Madonna show because usually you don't see or hear Madonna until the music is going and the stage is set. But this time she's like, before you get seated, I'm glad you don't have your phones because you're going to be here and you're going to be in the moment, which I have to say really made for a good night. I didn't mind losing technology at all. Really? Yeah, it was good, and she brings it up throughout the show. Yeah. And it's an intervention. She misses seeing the phones out there taking pictures of her, but also she does not want any phones, and I'm glad for it. Yeah. So the James Baldwin quotes come up. You see kind of like the silhouette, the projections of someone sitting at the typewriter. Um, it touches on what we saw in the guard control video, but she starts typing out this quote, typing out this quote untyping the quote, typing it again, and all along, um, you have a dancer dancing to the beat of the typewriter. And the gist of the quote is, artists disturb the peace, and that everyone is injured, and you you can't shut that off, but you can use that to connect with other people who are alive. I know that you said you... It was kind of um, maddening. Was it? Yeah, maddening. <laughs> because it goes it, on for a while. She it gets redone like four times, and the typewriter. Like I, I love the typewriter sounds, but yeah, it's. I mean, because the typewriter pops up a lot throughout the show, and it's never as repetitive as it is in the very beginning. It's a good way to start the show. It's very different. I mean. A Madonna, a Madonna show doesn't usually start with like that much repetition. Usually, like the floor is vibrating as the lights come on and the video is projecting, and you're in the middle of this environment, this atmosphere. But this is different. It's very much this is on the stage. You're sitting in the audience. Here's a silhouette of somebody doing something, and they're typing, and you're following these words. Go across the screen, delete. Go across the screen, delete. So what did you think about the first, uh, I guess you could say the first part, which is God control, dark ballet, human nature, and express yourself. And only because she was wearing the same outfit, right. do I say it's a part, mostly the same outfit. Well, so. that's, I would say it's a part because she cuts out, I mean, for yeah, the second a, version of the show, she cut all that out. So that's kind of like a, a part. And I loved seeing God Control. I thought it was a great way. It's not how I would expect the show to start. I kind it's a of, good start. Yeah, I thought Medellin would be kind of like launching the mood of the um, the show. But God Control is like, okay, it's in your face. It's energetic. And um, 
Dark Ballet is one of my favorite songs from the Madame X album. I like the imagery going on behind her throughout all of these or anyone that she did the music video for. Right. They use it really well. In yeah. The, in the no, the the imagery and the like the structure of the set itself they go really well together. The set is so good because it can just become so many things. Yeah, and it was very West End like that. It wasn't like the typical Madonna arena, like mechanical superstructures that are shifting her around and all this stuff. This was like more like props. Because they, yeah, I mean, they have to think of how they're going to transport this and how it's going to fit in a small theater. Yeah. So, I mean, it felt like a theater show, but it had, like, all the digital uh, projection and everything that you would... That Madonna could so well take advantage of. She exploited that really well. Um, so, you have two new songs that are, like, right off the bat. That's how she starts, starts the show. But then she gets into human nature. And she goes into, like part of the set it's like this circle and she's doing this um choreography to it i was like don't do it madonna because well, we know that she's hurt we Get know that the she's in there and then she's bending herself backwards in that wheel and i was just thinking don't spin her because you can tell that the thing spins i was like is she gonna spin in this thing hope she did her thing and yeah. she got out of it and thankfully should not go back in there because but yeah as much as i love the first it two really songs cool. it looked really cool but yeah i'm just like don't hurt yourself right but when human nature came on that was like a jolt like i loved that moment when human nature came on i really loved the first two songs those are some of my favorite from the album. But then she connects it with Human Nature, which is like, it's not exactly a classic Madonna song, but it's been around for a long time. Yeah, and it's a, just a really good, like, fuck yeah. you message, the attitude. It works really well after that. Because, you know, guy control, gun control, and then dark ballet and, like, you know, the religious people preying on the weak rather than helping the weak and, like, that kind of political message. Then you have this human nature bite back. It was nice. But then the familiarity of the song, too, was nice. And for us, um, Express Yourself was more like when she brought her daughter yeah, out onto the stage. Yeah, I don't know that she's saying so much of that, but, she yeah, didn't it really. was her daughter's... Being out on Mercy? Stage and is it Mercy, was it? And Mercy James and uh, the two remember. girls. Yeah, there were there were two girls. One it was one of the birthdays. Stella is one of them, and I can't remember the others. Yeah, so it was kind of a mix between a birthday message and express yourself. She presented express yourself like this is a message that I tell my girls. This is the best birthday I could give them. Best yeah, birthday gift I could like, give them. It's nice that she talks. Quite a bit. She tells a bit of stories. Yeah. You know, when she doesn't cut that part. And then the interlude happens where you start seeing, like, more, this is Madame X. She's A, B, C, D, E. Yeah. And Madame X doesn't take shit. But I can't remember. Did that, did that interlude happen? And then you see her changing behind the boudoir thingy? No. Um, the boudoir thing happens after she sings, like, Human Nature. Okay. No, she ends up on her knees. They bring a chair, and then... And then the girls with the trench coats. They come and they put her um, behind the mirror. That and was she, one of my favorite parts. Where she's talking. The she's, whole just, show. she's just like... 
from behind the mirror exactly. with her legs spread it's open. It's like a stand-up show, and I just thought this is so different because she usually she'll go down under the stage or to the back to change, and the dancers will do a number, right? There was right. less of that less and that. more of her. I mean, that, again, like, you can see her, they're putting the heels on and all of it. It's just, that was one of my favorite parts. I and know. I hope I, we get to see it again. But, you I know, hope uh, we do get to. And it will be on the DVD eventually that comes yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so she kind of changes, like, right there in front of us, but she's hiding behind a mirror talking. So it's kind of like an avant-garde, like, stand-up act, because she's making jokes and she's talking, but then you can't see her face. But when she finally emerges, she's ready for Vogue. And she has, it's this Vogue very film really noir. Fun. Film noir, look, trench coats and shadows and the, dancers, the city. All of and, it. Yeah. It's so cool. And they're... I only noticed on the third show that some of the trench coat girls are guys in the wigs. And I just that there's more details that you see every time. And I right. really enjoyed that part. And I enjoyed the how the Vogue goes into I Don't Search I Find because it's even the amplified film noir when they, t- they take her and... They're typing in the typewriter. It makes another like, appearance. Yeah. Yeah. And the light bulb is going. That just, it's like a jolt. It I reminded me of the secret you, project. Like, oh my a God, bit. this looks so cool. It's, she starts getting into that secret project kind of feel where yeah. you're seeing something that's staged. I mean, because secret project was all about what was happening on the stage. But there's like violence against her. And I mean, authority is coming down on her. She's getting investigated and probed and pushed hand, and pulled. And, yeah. Yeah. And so she gets into the. And I just like how they do small different things every show because the last time we saw it some of the dancers were taking polaroids of themselves and throwing them out to the audience they didn't do that the first two shows we saw it so there's always slight differences yeah of course anytime she talks that will change depending on her mood which i love because we got to get some really bitchy madonna right the last time we saw her. The, because the, they had closed the curtain on her the night before. <laughs> that safety curtain that comes down. If you've ever been to the Palladium or a lot of the theaters in the Westin have that kind of curtain. There's a curfew. And There's a curfew. I mean, this one, they can actually, like, really enforce with an iron curtain. It's, it's the fire curtain, basically. If the theater's on fire in the back, it protects the rest of the theater. So she kind of responded on our night to what had happened the night before. And she was kind of like in really a, pissed. a sassy, rebellious kind of yeah, mood, which was fun because she pulls us into that and she kind of like dramatizes that. And yeah, so then I, she does the selfie. Yeah, the she, auctions, she auctions off for charity, the Malawi selfie. Uh, well, she does a Polaroid and she sells it off to the highest bidder in the audience. Um, That was really different. I mean, I liked it, but I think Madonna is like in this show, making it a point of being really human (laughs) and like, I'm flesh and blood. I'm not like the arena Madonna that you're never going to even like you, see that I have pores. You're like, you can like, you can see her breathe and she stops and she relaxes and she like 
Because she barely talks. You wait for the time where she says, I love you, fill in the blank city, or, right. you know, just, it's very small when she has the And the other tours, it's usually like that. Where her actual speaking has come out. Right. Other than thank you, or, you know, so you're just hang, hanging on to every word, and it is, it is very, she's very real and very personal, and she's like, come on, a little more money, and it's not for her, it's for the charity, but... I. That's just another part of the intimacy of the right. show. So yeah, and I mean, we have some friends who are like, "Oh, like we got to interact with Madonna in this one." And I'm like, yeah, I mean, she makes it a point of being like, "Okay, I'm a real person." That's one of my favorite. I think I've said this before. Like that's what I really like about going to see a play or a musical in the West End, especially when the big names are there, because then you get to see the humanity that goes into the acting performance that you don't necessarily get to see firsthand when That's they're on a, when they're in a movie or like yeah on a film or on a screen it's like no they're really there and you get to see the breathing and you get to like you're you know you're in the same room they know you're in the same room and there's like this just this magic going on and madonna i think she really does a good job of making use of that i mean it doesn't take the form of like a real play or like a real musical and i don't even think the madame x part tells like any kind of real story but i mean she presents a character but i'm not sure how much narrative there is around that character yeah and then we have american life right which is good i, I mean like those she connects that with the politics that of what's going on in the yeah. states right now um and I just love the rap and the bucket and yeah, just all of all of that. It's really it's a really good lead into Batuka, which is it starts going into. I mean, at the end, all the soldiers die, and then the coffin walks in, and there's an interlude where the the dancer the dancer leads to Cape Verde, which is where the slave trade began. And then the women from, uh, I don't know, they're a... They're an orchestra. They're an orchestra from Cape Verde, and they come in through the aisles, and I really like that. I really really like that. And the show, I think, really warms up at that point, because Madonna, you can tell she has a real affinity for these women, and she... There's just a real warmth that develops. And there's so much life that comes yeah. in at that point. And it's like, okay, here's another injection of life. And even with the suffering that is connected at the beginning, right? there's the, the thing that supersedes that because she talks about how the drums were taken from them because it was, you know... The, the fact that they exist was an act of rebellion right. against what was going on. And the very fact that they existed and the drums were a part of that rebellion. Yeah. And yeah, but the sound that comes out of the circle that they make on the stage, it just, it's totally envelops you. And I mean, you really feel a part of it. And I mean, that's one of the most magic nights, magical moments of the night, I think, is that opportunity to become like a part of that 
and to actually be affected by the music because it's being played in the room by these people. Yeah, and I like that they were there physically because they were there for the music video. But mm-hmm. I like that she's they show up in two different songs in the show and both times it's just really cool. Yeah, I mean, when you hear like a, a choir backing Madonna on an album, it's like it's very open to interpretation how much they're just a prop or how much they're just a part of the sound, the aesthetic of the song or whatever. But when she brings it live on stage, then you can see how enmeshed she is and what it is that they're doing and how meaningful and um how like dimensional it is it's not just a prop sound that that she uses to get you know an album sold yeah and she's in she's in there she gets in the chair and she she lets them have the stage basically she does that a lot throughout the show now that you've mentioned that she she's not afraid to let other people shine Mm -hmm. she she's not afraid to let the dancers dance and impress you she's not afraid to um bring out musicians who have skills that she clearly doesn't have but she's you know for the reputation that she has for being an egotist um she's not afraid of letting people shine even when she's sharing the stage with them like she she got submerged into the performance of this orchestra she was a part of it but um she didn't dominate it the next section yeah, so then it goes into Killers, who are, well, it, it has the Gaspar Varela small performance, Fado Pechincha, which is a few seconds, but then it goes into... Where she tries her hand at singing Fado. Yeah. And but she acknowledges that you have to grow up singing that in yeah, order to be able to do it well. Exactly. But, I mean, I'm not a Fado expert, so I'm not going to know that she was doing she a bad just job. Sounded, yeah, she sounded great <laughs> to me, but... This, um, I think from Batuka for the next few songs, she has that same outfit, which is she has a black wig with a blue, uh, glinty dress. It's just really nice. Right. It's like a perfect, perfect outfit. Really nice look. And then the the stage essentially turns into her fado club. Which I really like. And that's part of the reason why I like the box seats so much. Because it's very chill. And it's like you're in her club and yeah. there's a balcony and you're just having drinks, watching. She she sings a song like saying, Welcome to my father club and it's just so perfect. It makes it, it makes me wish Madonna had a club like that. Yeah. <laughs> because and, I, mean, I mean we're up there with our balcony. We have champagne. And that we can just sit around. We have our little snacks that we got from the bar. And, you know, it's very comfortable. And they got <laughs> the set so right. Because I know a lot of it is projections. But right. it works so perfectly on those stairs. And that's one thing. There's a lot of stairs. And I'm just, you know, I wonder if Madonna Like says, the Escher drawings. We keep making the yeah, jokes that they're just, like an Escher drawing. There's a lot of stairs, Madonna. And she's Upside hurt. down. So. Circular. <laughs> like... All over the place. I mean, you, you see the dancers are helpful, like, with their hands and all that. Because you've said that you haven't noticed that she winces sometimes I when she's, like, getting up off noticed, the floor yeah. or when she cries. And, yeah, I mean, she does, but she openly, she openly talks about being injured. So yeah, she does. So she's not exactly trying to hide it. 
Yeah, I mean, you don't want her to be in pain. No. I just, I haven't, I haven't exactly paid that much attention to notice a right. wince. But you, you were so close to her, you can see that her she face is wincing and everything. <laughs> like, and I mean, yeah. she even looked up and gave you a glance and a smile. So. She did. Like that, the first time we had the box seats, um, she was doing one of the songs on top of the piano. And it's like, she's up on the piano, we're sitting up in the balcony. And for like a good two seconds, like she's looking at me and she just like, start smiling as the song ends and i'm like oh i got like a madonna moment and i know people always say those kinds of things and we've had more interaction with her than that but i mean to her it's nothing but it really made like for a nice it's moment a, it's you're right there right <laughs> you're right there in front of her like she, she looks up she's gonna see you and it's two people <laughs> yeah it's not it's perfect. But it was the sweetest smile I'm telling you. Like I think she's genuinely she's just warm. It was a very a sweet smile. And, and her eyes were just twinkling. And she and likes looking out into the audience and yeah, seeing people's faces. She, she mentions she it. Makes a comment on that. So I don't think that I don't think you should discount it that she had a moment like that. Yeah. With you no. because she she does and she talks about it having was those really moments. nice. And I just through this whole section, which includes crazy killers who are partying, Sodade, Medellin. I love Medellin because she walks up to the typewriter and she starts typing and the typing turns into the, percussion. the intro to Medellin, which is right. just like, let's get up and dance, which there's like, a lot take of... Take that, Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah, Dolly, wear your nails, like, you know, because she said she, she used her nails to do the 9-5. Right. It's so perfect, and I I just, I love that introduction, and I like how playful she is where, you know, she does that spin, and she doesn't get a rise, so she's like, let me try again, I'm drunk, you know, right. moments like that, Yeah. where she's just, she's kind of... It's refreshing and yeah. it's playful and she's able to be spontaneous as long as she's not feeling too rushed. Yeah, But exactly. even she plays around with that too. Even it's that like, is like, I gotta hurry up. I got an iron curtain, you know, like, fuck. All of that. And right. even the last time we saw her during this part, she just kept saying, shut those fucking doors at the back. Like, why are people getting up? I'm singing my song. Like, this one goes out to those two people that just left. It's like she's, she's gonna notice if you distracted. get up and left. <laughs> like, she, I like, mean, even that's how intimate this setting is. Madonna's gonna notice if yeah. you get up and leave, and notice every time those damn doors open at the back. So I mean, it's like I said, we were noticing too many people talking or whatever. It's like Madonna's on stage, full attention. Shut up, everybody, or like you know when the occasion comes, dance. But it's just. It, it is what it is. Everybody noticed everything. And Madonna was kind of in a bitching mood already because of the Iron Curtain. So it was like, fuck it. <laughs> Which, even that on its own, is just like... Yeah, but she wasn't joke. harsh. She was sassy and playful about No, it. sassy. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> that's... I mean, I just... I like this whole, this whole section. And then it goes into... Um, extreme accident ends that section and there's that that's when she's doing some of the dancing i think because i noticed in her legs and her muscles when she's dancing right and i guess that's where you could see wincing but i i haven't 
looked at her face because she she still does a lot of dancing. She's all, she's moving a lot. Yeah, she's moving a lot I mean, throughout the whole show. She switched out the heels for boots or flats, but she's still she's still like up and down the stairs and dancing around on tables and pianos and around. Da- she's not doing the crazy dances with the dancers. The dancers are doing, but she's still doing. She's really active in it, and and, I mean, and that's been the case for a few tours now, where the dancers are doing really crazy. They're really skilled in like a very yeah, specific yeah. kind of dance and choreography. And Madonna, she she can keep up in her way, but she's not about trying to keep up with what they're doing. She's not trying to dance how they're dancing, and she doesn't have to in this either. I mean, you don't feel it as a loss. Yeah, and that's. I mean, I that's one big thing I liked about the show. And then it goes into the Rescue Me interlude, which was really cool. Because it's just... It's, it's just staged not stage, very but simply, but the choreography The dancers really are crazy during this thing. They're trying to catch their breath, essentially. And I really like that. And that kind of... That moment leading to Frozen. Like, what did you think about Frozen? Because like, that, that has a big surprise in it. Frozen? Okay, I have to say this. I've been to concerts. I've been to concerts before where the singer has been behind that sheer kind of curtain, the sheer screen before. And it's definitely a feeling of distance when that happens. It's like a veil that comes down. And that was like the first time during the show that Madonna felt away. But it's not long before you get into this dance that this person's doing. She has, she's obviously talented and flexible and very expressive with how she's moving. The choreography is just captivating mm-hmm. and it's moving. The movements are reminding me of the Frozen video where Madonna's like in the headdress, like in the big wig, and she's out in the desert and like on the ground. But then. You start noticing the tattoos that are on this person dancing, and it's like mercy. And I was like, "Oh wait, is that after like the idea, or is that after mm-hmm. Madonna's daughter?" And then you see, and I think I mean, I saw it on the first night. And I think I noticed it before you did that on the hand, on the fingers. There's the word "mom," right? And I'm like. Okay, and then finally this person who's been dancing through, you know, this Frozen song lifts her face and you see that it's Lola from Madonna's Yeah, daughter. I mean, it is like at the... She doesn't do most of the song hidden. She does the reveal. Right. Within, what, the first minute? Right. But and- she's like showing the tattoos and I I didn't notice the mom... I, every time I see it, I notice something new. It was the second show where I saw the mom thing. And I, the first show, I saw Mercy. And it's like you're seeing new things every every time. Right. I love when um, she's doing the dance. And then the the lyrics are about your heart melting. And then rain comes. It makes it's like, so much... 
It's really beautiful. Like the mother daughter connection, the de- the choreography, the the rain falling. It's Lord a new is- meaning to that song. Completely new meaning. Yeah, you know, which is what Madonna does from tour to tour. But it's beautiful and it's meaningful. It's not just recontextualizing it for the sake of recontextualizing it. And Lourdes is really talented. She is it's like she's really good. It's <laughs> simple. Like it's right there, bare, laid bare. Really yeah. talented, and I can't. I can imagine Madonna is like really proud. If there's one thing that Lourdes has maintained, it's a sense of mystery. She hasn't taken to media to like yeah. publicize every little thing that she does. She's not like always clamoring for attention. She's not always getting the headlines. But when you do hear about her, she it's always in connection with something cultural. Yeah, she seems grounded. Yeah. And I, it really... She was doing theater for a while. It works well. Yeah. In the show. And... Yeah. Once... Because she... You can kind of see b- behind the sheer curtain that she has a new look. Right. And you really see it once come alive. Right. Starts because the curtain goes up and she starts dancing and the women from the orchestra come out and it's just really joyful. Just all of it. It's just like fun and colorful and the outfits are glinting and the it's dancing. kind of um it reminds me like after lotus was born madonna did ray of light which was a very yeah. like energized happiness like mystical spiritual and it was like a renewal for madonna renewed her career and, and got this little emotional like burst from her and the fact that come alive and everything follows lotus's like projected dance that that film I mean, it's kind of echoing that same thing. It was. It makes it a really touching moment, like a, more than just a moment, but a really. Yeah, part. it's like going to church. Yeah, no in it, a way. And I've thought about that multiple times. I mean, I because, mean, like a prayer. Yeah, talk the about way, going to church. Yeah, seriously, like that's masterful in the whole. The whole theater, I think the last time we saw it, I actually looked up to the, what you would call the nosebleeds, which are still kind of good seats. Everybody in the whole theater was standing up and I like, like a prayer just lights up. Everyone is... Everybody is taken. Madonna has taken this to, she's had a come to Jesus revival moment in this, it's so this theater. Good. It's like the whole place is up and moving to the music and she's like with her choir backing her and everything i mean it's not just the performance of a greatest hit that everyone expects no it's it's always different because you do get like a prayer most of the time but it just fits so well with what's come behind and that feeling and then you hear like a prayer it's palpable in the in the the in the air like yeah. that feeling is just there. It's not faked. It's, I mean, it's there for real. And everyone is participating in it. Yeah, I, I love, I love that moment. And it's just, you can't say just enough how good. And the, the song that comes before it is Future, where she plays the piano and zombie like people come up. The Tori Amos kind of moment. Yeah, and I, I mean, <laughs> I, I like. The background and you see the sun because the the silhouettes of the dancers are visible and it's kind of distorted. Yeah. And it's just, I I like that rendition of it and it's a little bit calmer before you 
go into the burst of like a prayer and she does say like okay the curtain goes up down right and it's done you think but then there's an encore which is right. i rise and what did you think of i rise because that is like that is how the show ends it is the last song i think it's a really effective ending i mean and again she doesn't disappear behind the stage after it's done she goes out through the audience and she goes out through the entrance out the door (laughs) like bye (laughs) and so i mean yeah i mean i think that's like the whole political message of the album madame x is that it closes it really well because before i rise starts you see the back the dancer that started the show in the back and he essentially dies for his art but it's that same quote you're here to disturb the peace right and sometimes you die for your art but it's worth it and then you know i rise and the political moments come up and then the the rainbow flag comes down and the dancers are dressed up in you know i think like school uniform looking things and it's just like it's really like i just i where do i go and sign up for this i'm gonna go march for madonna (laughs) yeah i mean the emotion definitely builds up to that point and it's been an emotional ride from the beginning up until then and it's not i mean it's very joyous and it's energizing in a way and her message is like don't just sit there get up (laughs) and go forth like with this yeah with you can affect the change that you want to see and it's you can get stuck in the feeling of God control where you're kind of like what the hell there's guns everywhere killing people there's nothing you can do about it right. and you can be in that despair and you can be you know we talked before like the the character Madonna plays in the video just it, the signs are all there but she just wants to party and she pays for it at the end because well, there's a difference between the empty party and then the emotion filled purpose that it's going to be some there's going to be some sadness but there's, there's also going to be some joy yeah and you bring it together in a real way and then you carry it out <sighs> okay our hour is almost up it's so been, we should be winding this down yeah, we have one more night that we're going to go see with serena uh, she's seen it once with us but we're going to be there for the last the night last that she's night in london, in london. so and we're looking forward to that yeah we're looking forward to talking to serena too about what she thinks yeah so we'll we'll get more of that all right well everyone enjoy what i consider to be your valentine's day weekend whether you know own it if you're don't have a valentine make yourself a valentine or just you know whatever or galentine (laughs) (laughs) okay all right right. till next time Bye. bye Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. We put it out weekly. And follow us on social media. We're on every platform. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're everywhere.